Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd, my co-host, of course, none other than Canucks insider Thomas Trance. You can also read his work at The Athletic. Canucks Talk is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Drancer, what's up, man? How you doing? Not much, man. No, I'm excited. The break is in full swing. Canucks news quieting down. Feels like... uh, Feels like the Vancouver media rumor meal is churning, though. So we'll get into all that and, and stick with doing the whiteboard. This is uh, this is the most like bi-week show of ours, at least from our perspective. Because yesterday, you know, we were reacting to the Blue Jackets game still, yep. right? Tomorrow, we've got the crossover. We've got Bukla. Boom. That's easy. That's basically in the books right, right well, there. And, and we're doing trades. We're doing, trade we're doing the trades, right? We got some stuff planned for Thursday that's in the works that I'm excited about. And then Friday, it's like, whatever, that's Friday. It barely counts as a show anyways. But today is the stumbling block that we have to get through. And I, I have full confidence in us uh, that we can do it. And as you said, we're going to stick with the whiteboard. Well, and before we do that, okay. I think we should put out a call. Like, I'll, I'll start a Google Doc. During, okay. during the show, but like, if you have any bad trade ideas, right. now's the time to start sending them in. Yeah, and if you want to hear why they suck from <laughs> me and Jason Bukala, and while Jamie Dodd pretends that they're not as bad as no, they are, I'm just leaving an open. I'm I'm keeping an open mind. Yeah, but I'm also keeping an open mind. I'm just being more dismissive about it up front. <laughs> anyway, if you want us to tell you how ba- how bad your trade ideas are, send them in six fifty six fifty. That's the Dunbar Lumber text yep. line. Uh, we'll pull. We'll begin to pull submissions, but if you miss your opportunity, don't worry. You can text in tomorrow. Yeah, text in tomorrow. Tag you on Twitter. Don't tag me on Twitter. I don't want to see it. But tag, tag no, Trance on these Twitter. days, these days, no, you my, can tag me. You can yeah, tag me these, too. These days, my mentions. It's pretty hard to get at me on Twitter these days. <laughs> a lot of view, a lot mute, of filters, muted, baby. muted, muted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, anyways, all right. Lots coming up today. Actually, uh, Ryan Clark will join the show, one of our favorites, at 1. So we'll, uh, we'll look forward to having that conversation with Ryan. But uh, as mentioned, let's start with the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Can I kick us off with a headline? All right, sure. Okay. I was checking, doing like a diagnostic, basically, yep. underlying stuff. What, where the Canucks are trending, what's happened to their form, sort of in, in segments, month by month. 58% score-adjusted shot attempt differential in the month of January, second in the NHL to only the Carolina Hurricanes. That's pretty good. 832-point percentage behind only the Edmonton Oilers and their 1,000-point percentage, which must be nice. Yeah. But 832 is unbelievable. Like, this was the month. You know, as as January closes, right? The Canucks will not play another game this month. This was the month where for four weeks anyway, and we'll see how they can sustain it, the Canucks played elite hockey. Like, this was an elite team. The heater they were on this, se- this month was not smoke and mirrors at all. Mm-hmm. This was an elite team that played elite hockey for an entire, f- you know, four-week four, four stretch. And that just raises the stakes for what comes next. It's interesting to hear you say second to the Carolina Hurricanes in that, right? Because 
for so long, the Canucks have kind of been like the anti-Carolina Hurricanes. Totally. Right, where Carolina's whole MO is, we control the puck, we control play, but we're, we're also just kind of throwing the puck at the goalie for a lot of it, right? We're not generating necessarily those really great A scoring chances, and we don't necessarily have the finishing talent to take advantage of it. And sometimes that, well, consistently, it has caught up with them in the playoffs. And the Canucks have been the opposite where, yeah, we're not going to have a lot of the puck, but boy, when we do get it, we have guys who can really uh, make it count. It's the set the table versus eat thing. And now we're kind of seeing like, well, what if you took what if you took the team with the great finishers and they started to consistently control play? It turns out that's a pretty daunting thing. That's a really, really good base to build from. And uh, yeah, mentioning the Carolina Hurricanes, I mean, when you're controlling play at that level and then you have the other edges that the Canucks have consistently had, uh, that's really impressive. Now, the Carolina Hurricanes have controlled play at that level for you know years on years at yes. this point. When the Carolina Hurricanes do it, it's not a headline. Yeah, we're talking when the about Canucks a do month it. of the Canucks doing it. But yeah. still, the fact that they've done it at that level for a month as we start to you know get closer to playoff season, I think is it absolutely is a headline. And uh, it's a huge reason for optimism and a huge reason why we're having so many of these other conversations yeah. around the team right of, now. Of what can they buy? How do mm-hmm. they buy? What should they go about buying? Um, now, here's sort of one of the things that's most interesting to me about what we're seeing this team do five on five. For the most part, you know, it, it's being driven like the usual suspects driving it include Hughes and Heronic, that, that Hughes Heronic pair, obviously just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's really the bottom six group, or or at least the middle six group. It's like Suter. Garland, Kuzmenko, honestly, in, on an on an individual basis, like who's driving Vancouver's near league best results? The bottom six forward group and the t- the top pair, Vancouver's top six has been really good. Don't get me wrong; you don't get to fifty eight percent without controlling play with all of your players, basically. But you know, on the one hand, it's going to be interesting to see if the Canucks can sustain this. On the other, you know. Is there another gear, given that we right. expect guys like Pedersen to be leading the charge uh, in terms of driving like killer two-way results, and over the course of the past month, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Right? So, it, so it, it's sort of an interesting dynamic to monitor, and, and just something that I really wanted to spotlight, because my jaw almost hit the floor when I saw <laughs> it. You know, it's been years. It's been years since I was able to pull up, you know, this data and come away with it and be like, shaking my head just saying oh my god like if this sustains this is a truly elite team yeah i i haven't i haven't had the occasion to say anything like that on the radio in the life of this show so i wanted to make sure i there you go you get it like, in. cleared my throat like <clears throat> is this working you get like the interference like if the Canucks can sustain what they did in January, this is one of the best teams in hockey. And that is uh, what a place to be in. That's an incredible place for this team uh, to be in, considering where they were, you know, even coming into the season, right? When it was, hey, if everything breaks right, oh, we're a playoff team. Dude, it's a, it's an amazing place to be, even with where they were in like November and December, yeah. where they were winning games, but had the sort of profile that I was looking askance at, being like, man, I don't know, the other shoe might drop here. But, you know, over the course of that time, it's like they've improved. Right, like mm-hmm. it, it's not, you, you know, you can if you're controlling play like this as a team five on five, you can regress and still be elite, right? Like you don't need bounces to win. They needed bounces to accumulate the start, like hashtag the start that they got off to. Yep. 
that was in fact driven by quality finishing and goaltending. But over the course of the season, we're, we're, we're seeing a team trend in a highly promising direction. Uh, I have a headline for you. Okay. Do you remember where you were one year ago today? Um, the 30th. So Rick Tockett was announced as head coach on the 26th on a Sunday. So this would have been Wednesday, a Wednesday last year. I don't remember where. We were recording an emergency Bo Horvat trade podcast wow. because it is the one year anniversary of the Bo Horvat trade to the New York Islanders. Wow. I, I was on my way to Tofino with my family, got back in cell service, and my phone just started like vibrating like crazy. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure the Canucks have just traded Bo Horvat as it's flooded with text messages. And then we got on the phone to do the emergency react. So one year ago today, the Canucks did the Bo Horvat trade. I, I was actually on a hike. I was on a hike in California because it was the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. It was a hike in the in the Sierra Madres, and I, uh, I I was actually on the phone with like a contact close to the situation. And at one point toward the toward the end, they were like, uh, "Hey, hey, I gotta go!" Like pretty abruptly. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I've got like another forty minutes in my climb, so I'm like, "Okay, put that in the back of my head and check in with other people when I get back." And by the time I got back, the trade was done. Yeah. So I mean, it's a fascinating thing to look. Uh, <laughs> Don't go on vacation. In yeah, exactly. Never go here. on vacation. I mean, I, I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, is a massive deal, and we can see, you know, it, it, it's always going to be fascinating to kind of trace the fortunes of the players involved and the teams involved from that point on. I also bring it up as you know, this this is the week, the day, in fact, when the Canucks made their biggest transaction of the year last year, and so. Who knows? Could history repeat itself? Could we uh, could we see something of similar magnitude transpire for the Canucks this week? Fingers crossed for that. But by the way, I mean, I will say, obviously, you know, I heard uh, Elliot and Jeff talk about it a little bit on the Jeff Merrick show today, and they said it's kind of funny. Like, you know, you do the Bohorvat trade, and now what are they looking for in the market? It's like number two center who's versatile, can play in tough minutes, and now, and that's fair. But you don't you don't have Philip Ronick without, and if you if well, you you know what I mean, like you can't say, oh wow, they wish they had Bo Horvat because you wouldn't have had Philip Ronick without doing that deal. They found enough to f- like plug the hole that trading Horvat created, mm-hmm. but. By landing Hronik, they addressed in in a very substantive way, like the singular fatal flaw, right? That we'd been pinpointing ever since we started doing the show, which was the inability to get the puck moving from the back end, the um, vulnerability to opposition forechecking, right? And and as a result. The choice, the tactical choice that coach after coach faced Mm. where it was like, are we going to generate or are we going to defend? Defend. Are we going to play structurally sound hockey or are we going to score? Because it doesn't seem like we can consistently do both. Um, Adding Heronic and then implementing Rick Tockett's structure, right? And, And what they've been able to get out of, you know, guys like Myers, right? Whose form has bounced back in a major way. And then, and then you know, I know Zadorov's. We'll we'll get into this yep. when we get into the scuttlebutt thing, but or what do we call it, the broadsheet? But the like Zadorov's sneaky good with the puck through the neutral zone, right? Like little moves like that have just like slowly raised this team's floor. But but Hironik in particular, I think, and and these are the choices you have to make. Yep. you have to you have to make hard decisions on what to prioritize. You know. Uh, at the end of the day, I think you'd do the the Horvat deal 
from a Vancouver perspective, like 10 times over. Oh, there's not a, not an ounce of regret. Yeah. Especially considering the contract, because at least for this year, you're paying Hironic way less, right? So you can't even say like, oh, if you'd kept Horvat, because then you're probably not talking about Cole or Susie or whatever, right? Because you're paying him a lot more. And it's a funny one, but when you think about like, Atu Ratu hasn't popped, mm-hmm. right? Anthony Beauvillier was just a cap dump, mm-hmm. right? As we said. And the first round pick became what? Uh, Axel Sandin Palika, who's, you know, a really nice prospect. But if you're the New York Islanders, given everything else that they've got pushed into the center of the table, like, I don't think they, like, Atu I don't Atu, think they're, like, sitting and, like, oh, I can't believe we did that deal. No, no, no. That was a win for them. Yeah. Now, you 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 want to debate the contract? Go ahead. But Bo Horvat's performed really well for them this yep. season, right? Like, he's on pace for, what, 35-ish yep. goals plus? And they're, you know, a, a coin flip to make the playoffs. So, and they made the playoffs last year, which was by no means guaranteed on the day the trade occurred, right? No, no. So, you know, I, honestly, that that one's right now shaping up to be a win-win, um, and more a win-win from a Canucks perspective um, because of the impact that Heronix had. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, on to the broadsheet here on the whiteboard. So we talked a, a fair bit about it yesterday, right? The entrance of Nikita Zadorov into the rumor mill and the possibility that he could be moved to open up cap space to facilitate you know, a bigger move or possibly multiple bigger moves for the Vancouver Canucks. And lots more coming out about that today. Uh, I, I noted uh, our own Jason Bruff on the morning show said he had heard this the same rumor last week as well. Rick Dollywall on Donnie and Dolly commenting on it and uh, passing along a few different things, which is one, yes, teams are calling on Nikita Zadorov. Uh, he says, you know, originally when the Canucks acquired Zadorov, the plan was to get him and then sign him, but things can always change. Hockey people can change their minds. And uh, he also says... Dan Milstein, not happy that the Zdorov rumors are out there. And Milstein says he's not getting moved. But my rejoinder to that would be, well, it's not Dan Milstein's decision whether or not Nikita Zdorov gets moved. So he he can say that, but he actually doesn't get to control that process. So a lot to unpack here. Number one, okay? I'm not here for any Zdorov, like... No poking holes at Nikita Zadorov's Nikita Zadorov rules. Rocks. Just an awesome player. Well, here's the yeah, and this is I think I've brought this up on the show before, but like one of my biggest pet peeves is the idea that trading a player is like a punishment for a player being bad. Totally. You know what I mean? It's like, why would you trade this guy? He's good. It's like, well, okay. Sometimes you can trade a player who's good and get better. We're just talking about trading Bo Horvat. And oh, they got better as a result. I'll be honest. So we did this trade tiers list at the Athletic. Part two is up today, right? Which goes over the, like, not moving unless there's a blockbuster tier, which includes Nikita Zadorov, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the could move if the Canucks go all in tier, which includes a bunch of, like, their highest value future assets and Niels Hoaglander. Um, and then, like, the, you know, salary cap flexibility tier, which is obviously Andre Kuzmenko, mm-hmm. right? Our editors threw a Niels Hoaglander photo on it and I was like wincing I'm like oh like because I feel this team's chugging along so successfully yeah players are enjoying a break hard-earned right they've got a lot of hockey and a lot of high stakes hockey that will be played over the balance like to some extent the like and who will they deal prodding to me feels a little unfair a little gratuitous I don't want to like take part in it beyond what I think is like reasonable and and well-sourced and the reason that, you know, I, I think 
Friedman on Merrick said Zadorov's name, mm-hmm. the reason that it's come up. And, you know, I mean, Satyar Shah has been mm-hmm. talking in these terms, too, for a few months. You know, I, I do think it's important to note, like, this Canucks team has been linked to more than just, like, one upgrade, right? There has been a sense from the most plugged-in insiders, but also just chattering around the industry, that this team may look to do multiple things. And in a hard cap league where with a team that is not just at the cap, but is actually exceeding the cap and is under the cap only due to the benefit of long-term injury yep. reserve under the cap and scare quotes, you can't toll space. You, you, you need to subtract to add, right? Like we know the Canucks can't add a Gensel Henrik, uh, Elias Lindholm type just to bring up your favorite trade targets uh-huh. and the ones most commonly linked to the team without moving off money. Well, Okay, so Kuzmenko's playing fourth-line minutes. Clearly, trust is touch-and-go with the coaching staff. Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes you know or at least have a good sense of who the most likely salary match guy is. But if they're going to add a Tanev type two, or if they're going to push to do so, well, they at least are considering another move. You know, when we were putting together our list of untouchables versus, like, who could move to facilitate something jaw-dropping, like, are we really going to group Myers, for example, who's spent a couple of years on the block, has an expiring deal, won't be affordable to retain necessarily given his performance this season, mm-hmm. but his usage is trending up and he's a really big part of this team right now. Like, are we going to include him with like Heronic and Hughes and Susie? Or do we need to factor in the history and the contract status slightly differently? It's the same discussion with Zadorov. It's the same discussion with Connor Garland. Not, not, yeah. that, not that we should expect any of those guys to move, but we have to at least acknowledge the reality that if we're going to indulge in the sort of like multiple piece speculation that oh boy we are committed to indulging in that bill comes due in the form of uh, at least a subtraction and potentially multiple subtractions and and i think that's where sort of the discussion on zadorov yeah he's going to be hard to extend he's going to be expensive to extend you made a really good point yesterday, and I, I echoed it in our piece today about the the lefty-righty surplus and Rick talk. It's evident discomfort with that. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the discussions should sort of begin and kind of end on Zadorov. It's it's one to watch simply because of the cap math, and and I don't think it needs to go further than that. And I will okay. There's a couple other things on Zadorov. Right, one is there's a world of difference between the team one receiving calls on a player and you know kicking around the idea of hey, if this was available, would we be willing to move this guy? There's a big difference between that and we're out shopping him, right? And I think it's important to note like all we've really heard is they would consider it or would they be open to it, right? Not we're trying to find a solution to this. Oh, there's a problem here. We need, you know, we need to get this guy out of our line. We haven't heard anything like that. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. Those are two very different things. And then I will say the Tanev part of this equation looms very large, right? And I'm not saying that Tanev would be the only player that would bring a Zadorov trade into play, but it feels like just the fit with veteran, super reliable, right shot defenseman with a history on the team and relationships with the star players. That's such an ideal fit that it's the kind of thing, if you think you can get Tanev, well, then you almost have to consider some kind of outside the box moves like Nikita Zadorov. And again, I'm not saying that's the only player they would do it for, right? If, who knows? Like you brought up Brett Pesci, if something like that is on the something table. Something big. Right? But I just think like, I think a huge part of the reason we're having this Zadorov 
conversation is be like inherently linked to the repeated interest we're hearing about the Canucks and Tanev. You know what I mean? Like yes. I feel if Tanev wasn't on the block, we're probably not having this conversation. But if you bring in Chris Tanev, all of a sudden you have seven defensemen making like over $3 million. Someone's going to be sitting in the playoffs. You don't want that. So one, you have to clear the cap space. And two, you'd have too much money committed there anyways. So it's just, if you're going to bring Tanev in, it, just logically you start looking for defensemen to trade and Zadorov makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. so, someone says, are we ignoring his massive injury history? As I call Chris Tanev, Tanev, super reliable. I mean, he's been very healthy uh, the last few years in Calgary, but when he's on the ice, extremely, extremely reliable. No, but but also, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has missed, sorry, 17 games since 2019. Yeah. So, like, sometimes you have to update your priors. You know what I mean? Like, Tanev is a warrior because he was super healthy that last year in Vancouver too. And then he's been exceptionally healthy in Calgary Played all 69 and every game in the bubble yep. in 1920 played every single season of the 56 game lockout shortened campaign played all 82 the next year missed 17 with like a really significant injury. Do you remember he blocked the shot with his face? Uh-huh. It's not, and, and, and that's the other thing about Chris Tanev. Chris Tanev's not missing games because he's got, like, a repeated history of soft tissue injuries or, like, a bum knee that keeps getting worse or, like, a bulging disc that will never be fully fixed and he just has to manage. Like, there are injuries like that mm -hmm. where, where you know, I, I still hate the term injury prone, like, especially when you're talking about, like, football players or hockey players, like collision sport athletes, but... There's a big difference between guy gets hurt because he's willing to block shots with his teeth and guy has like a, a meaning like like a meaningful uh health concern that will never be fully yeah. fixed. You know, which which also guys can still be effective through that. But but they, those are different factors. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's okay. my that's my Chris of injury rant. Lineup notes. Uh, we actually have something to address here on the bye week. Linus Carlson assigned to the AHL. Uh, Abbotsford plays Friday and Saturday in Abbotsford, so a chance for him to get some game action in while the team is got, on a break. Well, and he got an extra day of uh, of NHL salary. There nice. You go. Yeah, good for Sweet. him. Doing right by Linus Carlson, but he'll he'll go down and get a chance to play uh, for the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, no change. To the playoff odds because there's like one or two games a day Nashville for, lost. for the next. Uh, yeah, Nashville lost, so their playoff did, odds. I'm in, not tracking them in the play. And did they lose? In well, let's let's. So have, here, how about this? Let's okay. have fun with it. How, how about this? Okay, right now, there's. Let's track the Kings for the week. There's let's have fun tracking five the Kings. teams projected with a hundred percent chance to make the playoffs in the West. Okay. okay, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas at ninety-seven. Yeah, let's and let's be realistic. So there's seven teams in. Yeah. Now, LA's are down to 84% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that's obviously no, still prohibitive favorites, it's, but... It's interesting. <laughs> it's starting to get a little nerve-wracking It's starting to there. get interesting. Okay, the other... The team's chasing for that final spot. Nashville, 35%. Minnesota, 14 St. Louis, 13 Seattle, 29 Calgary, 22 Who are you picking out of that group? <laughs> um... <laughs> You're not riding with your Kraken? I am probably... But like, one of those teams has to make the playoffs. Dude, I'm probably riding with my Kraken. Just let me be thoughtful about it. I also have, like, I have some Nashville shares from before the season, mm -hmm. and I have some Kraken shares. I divested myself of my Flames shares, thank mm -hmm. goodness. Got out at the right time, sold medium. <laughs> I wouldn't bought say. high, sold medium. <laughs> the winning formula. I wouldn't say I bought the Flames high. I've been, yeah. I've been riding with them since a low point. Uh, anyway, I, yeah, I mean, I will take the Kraken. 
I will take the Kraken. I'm a little nervous though because so much of their like jump up in success since early December is goaltending driven, mm. right? Like it's really been goaltending carrying them. Um, their underlying forms like come and gone. There are moments where they're you know like Church of Jacques Lemaire systematic excellence shows through, but I'm I'm a little nervous. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'll take my, I'll ride with my Kraken. All right, there you go. I I mean I'll probably go with Nashville. Although, none it's of the, honestly, it's like it's, none of these teams inspire confidence. Flip a coin. Yeah. Flip a coin. It's I, I think it's going to be one of those two teams. Uh, I, I do think those should be the prohibitive favorites. You know, I guess it wouldn't stun me if Minnesota got it together. What about the Coyotes? I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, biased and, against the Coyotes organization for yeah. being a complete joke. I have a hard time <laughs> seeing it, though. Well, that's a good is that is that bad when your organization is a complete joke? I mean, I would say I would say if you're going to be biased against an <laughs> against organization for team? something, that's a good reason for it. <laughs> yes, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you like this team? Oh, they're just a complete joke. Well, fair enough. Like, good point. They've got a lot of cool players. They do. I just don't think they, I don't think they have the juice uh, for it this year. Anything on the gambling odds to update us here as, well, uh, as no. we wrap it up? Dom, Dom's trying to get us travel. We're going to start listening to Dom now. What? <laughs> Uh, I got nothing. Not, we don't have a guest. Flo, it's, not even, it's not even the top of the hour. I'm waiting it's for a floating break, Dom. It's a suggested time at best. I'll tell you what. I'm waiting for. Unless I keep you on the rails, this is just pure anarchy. So okay, here I've got one. I've got one. There we go. Some sports books are starting to list. In part, I think because of the enthusiasm in markets such as Vancouver mm-hmm. and Winnipeg and Edmonton, mm-hmm. country. Of the Stanley Cup winner. Oh, wow. So effectively, you're buying Winnipeg, Vancouver, Edmonton. Yeah. And Toronto. And Toronto, yeah. To win the Stanley Cup versus the field. The U.S. side, minus 330. Okay, here's the thing, though. The Canadian side, plus 240. You're not actually getting... You're not really getting three, though, because... Three, they're all like the three best ones are in the West. Right. That's the problem. If there was, if it was like Edmonton and the Canucks are really good, or the Canucks and Winnipeg are really good, and the Leafs and the Habs are really good, that would be a different story. But you can only get one team into the finals. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the more you have in a conference, the more likely, yeah. the more shots you have at getting a team into the finals. Right. That makes me nervous. I don't I, like it. I don't think there's a lot of value there, to be totally no. honest with as you. As long as you can get a Canadian Conference Final, you're okay. I'm, well, I'm, that's hard to do, though. I'm waiting. But there's two really good Western Conference Canadian teams. Like, it three. could happen. There's three oh, really it, good yeah. Western Conference It's still teams. brutal, man. Yeah. It's still brutal. Now, the one thing that I... And, and like, there's a real chance that you get... Well, not a real chance, but there's at least a chance that you get, at, like, Edmonton-Vancouver in the first round. I guess not. Uh, it's pretty slim chance yeah, at this point. It's become slim. Yeah. Okay. The last thing is I'm really just excited to see the NHL All-Star Game futures. They're not published <laughs> yet, but that's when that's when the segment will really I feel go like off. the bet the best betting opportunity stop looking at the clock, Dom. The best I know what I'm doing here, all right? The best betting opportunity or the most exciting one at the All-Star Game, it's got to be the skills competition. Like, that's where I would, for pure entertainment value, that's what I would want to. Because yeah. I feel like these guys are going to go hard. Yeah, but you don't know who's going to dog it and who's not going to. Yeah, but that's no. part of the fun of betting. <laughs> you don't know who's going to show up hungover. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Like, who's on the lowest salary? Who needs this million dollars the most? 
Actually, that's not a bad way of doing it. But like at All Star, almost lowest salary. So this is like probably like pointing towards a Canucks player. Like lowest salary, uh, high tax district, high cost of living. Like who 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 really needs this extra infusion of capital? That's how yeah, you that's how you bet right there. All right, that's the whiteboard for today, January thirtieth. We will take a break. You're welcome, Dom. More Canucks talk coming up here on Sportsnet six fifty.